2: pop a top again i just got time for one more round set em up
1: my friend all right welcome back to gone. episode 68 of two drunk brothers in a podcast presented by the hub chicago and our friends at the hub chicago were actually at the uh, rod blagojevich House today, whenever he got released from jail. So
0: yeah, I don't, I don't know much about that whole story because I don't know when it went down. I feel like it was quite a bit ago.
1: You were like in middle school, so like, yeah.
0: So I mean, I am kind of in the dark about it. It's just a, kind of a weird thing to see.
1: He's a crooked Illinois governor, essentially, is what he is. So um, oh, so most was yeah. go- so
0: like all other governors.
1: Exactly. He's got caught. He's got caught. He's um, he's got caught. That's that's the difference, but. Um, we're rolling into week three of the XFL. We're going to talk about week two. We're going to talk about week three. Um, but, you know, this isn't on the script, so I'm just kind of spitballing Travis. There's a story kind of coming out right now that um, the NFL, if the new CBA deal gets done, that they will expand the playoffs to seven teams per conference, which means we will – NFL? Yes. We'll, we will only get one bye team, so the number one team in the league gets a bye. Oh and the rest of the six teams will play on the first weekend um, of the playoffs. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this, because when I first heard it or saw it, I hated it. But the more I looked into it, I kind of liked it. So, I mean, it, I feel like it doesn't really mix up that much more. No, people are like, oh, my God, all these scrub seven and nine teams are going to get in. But they literally – ran it down for the last, like, four years, what the seven seed in each conference would have been. And, like, only one of them would have had a losing record. Three of them would have been 10-win teams. Like, we, you got to forget, there's some 10-win teams in the NFL that don't get in the playoffs some years. So, yeah. um who – so, who is it going to – is it just going to be
0: the division winners and then three?
1: Yeah, it'll be top the top three. The top three. So, like, this past year, it would have been the Rams in the NFC, who were nine and seven and the Steelers and the AFC who were eight and eight. So they would have been the seven seeds. I like it. I think it'd be cool. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, first of all, one, it gives us more football games that first weekend of the playoffs. and um, just gives us more football in general. And I'm not a huge fan on two teams getting a bye. I never have been. Um, I know people are saying the NFL playoff system is is perfect the way it is. I do think it's one of the best playoff systems in all of the four major sports. Um, They don't let too many in. Um, It's kind of exclusive. I think MLB is too exclusive. Uh, But we'll see how it goes. So if they get that new thing done, that's that's, going to be the the new norm.
0: I'm just always down for, you know, these teams that aren't in the top of the league, having a chance to upset another team. I'm always cool for it. That's why I'm a big advocate to expand the college football playoff because anything can happen and any – any game in any sport. So I like
1: it for sure. For sure. So just want to throw that, throw that out there. I literally read it on Twitter like an hour ago. Um, well, let's recap week two of the XFL since, you know, the two drunk brothers in a podcast have kind of turned into an XFL podcast because we love football and um, it's, it, it's football. Um, so from week two, the first kind of bullet point we have on our script for the night is the refs got to get better. I mean, I know oh, I know the – I mean, and, and I kind of put it in frame of reference for myself. The NFL is bad refs, so I can't expect the XFL to, to figure it out right away. But, man, the refs are just bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, just going to the offside call in the Battlehawks game, the NFL refs are bad, but that never gets missed. No. Like that was blatantly jumped offside. Jordan Samu threw that ball, knowing that the defender jumped offside, ended up in a pick costing them the game. And just the fact that it really wasn't talked about, nobody mentioned it, and it wasn't
1: – Well, Greg to, – to be fair, Greg Olson mentioned him. Greg Olson did. Greg Olson about did. It. Because, you know why? Because Greg Olson played football and knows – Plays. He probably, well, he didn't play this past year, did he? No, but he just got signed by the Seahawks. Wow. So – Anyway, he plays football, so he knows that if he were, he were in that situation, he would be super pissed off. So I think they need to tighten it up. I also think the XFL has been branded as this, like, you know, extreme football league. I know they're chill, still trying to, like, limit on concussions and stuff, but some of the ticky-tack calls, man, just got – you got to let it go. Like, that offside was not ticky-tack. I'm talking, like, I saw a couple blocks in the back, and not just in the Battle Hawks game, but in, the, in some other games that, that I, like, watched and saw highlights of. Where some guy' some blocks in the backs where a dude was shoulder shoulder with a guy, I mean just some of that ticky tack shit you gotta knock it off
0: yeah, um other than that, the Sunday games were very good the Re- the Renegades Wildcats game was good, the Battlehawks game was good. the Saturday games on the other hand, bad, a blowout and then just a snooze fest because the Vipers and the Dragons are the two worst teams in this league
1: ah for- uh, we we'll, we'll 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 get more into that because Travis and I. Before we go into degenerous Digest, we're going to give you our, we're going to do this every week. We're going to give you our XFL power rankings. Um, okay. so we're to that. I do not have the Dragons in the bottom two, let's just put it that way. They, all right, then you probably have them at the bottom a third. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Um, <laughs> They're not good. No, I mean, but you, it, it doesn't help that the that, that, uh, three of the bottom three teams in the XFL played on Saturday and two of them played each other. So, yeah. Um, that that obviously never helps, uh, but what what was encouraging to see is that attendance did shoot up a bit in week one and in, in week two. Um, Seattle, which surprised me a lot, they held, had almost thirty thousand people at their home at their first home game this weekend. Um, the two, considering how bad they were, too, they are is yeah. is pretty good. And I mean, I feel like the Seahawks are like ride or die in Seattle too. Like people love the Seattle Seahawks, so to see them shoot up or have uh, 30,000 30, at their first game is is insane. Now, what, what is a bit concerning, I guess you can say, is the two teams who had home games in week one and also had home games in week two saw a bit of a dip in attendance. D.C. saw a 12.5% dip. Meanwhile, on the other hand, Houston only small, only saw a small 4% dip. Um,
2: now, that
0: surprises me, though, because D.C. is – you know, emerge as the best, the front runner for the best team in the XFL. And have a 12% dip in attendance is just like,
1: why? I mean, I mean 12, when you're talking about 12, they went from like uh, 20 to 17,000. So, I mean, really talking about Still your, though. Yeah. I mean, it's just because their stadium's so small, the percentage numbers are going to be uh, concerning. Houston, though, um, is right up there. And it's going to be interesting to see how St. Louis shows out this weekend. Um, I know it's a sellout for sure. The dome only has the lower bowl open. All twenty-seven thousand seats are sold out. Travis and I, along with our lady friends, will be in attendance. Um, if they open up the upper bowl and get more, that'd be great just to shoot that shoot those attendance numbers up. But St. Louis will definitely back that up this weekend.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, TV viewership. Uh, I know. I myself can't really talk too much shit because we were just busy and just didn't get the chance to watch well,
1: when we were Travis was being a great brother and a, a good, a good best friend and helping his other brother move. I am actually recording this. The first podcast recorded from a new house, my new office. So uh, mm-hmm. that's why we get to watch you on, on that. Yeah. Toast but anyway, Jared's yeah.
0: drinking truly, but I'm drinking an ice cold
1: Bud Light. Bud Light. Uh, but, a but yeah, zillion, viewership a dip, beers.
0: viewership did dip. On ABC by a lot, tremendously, by thirty-five and a half percent, but only four percent on ESPN. Not really sure why that was.
1: I think Maybe. when people are trying to just, I think when people are scroll are scrolling through looking for sports, this is just a theory of mine. You don't go to ABC like I like ABC is literally the last option I go to. Like if I'm looking for a sporting event, I'll go to ESPN and I'll go to two, then I'll, or I'll go to Fox. I'll go to CBS. I'll go to NBC, and then ABC is the last one I check for. So, is that what, is, what local
0: channel is that for St. Louis? And thirty. It's channel thirty. 30? Okay, yeah. that's also carried by ESPN, though, isn't it? Or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Because I was going to say maybe it had something to do with being able to not watch it on the ESPN app, but that is not true.
1: No, but I couldn't find the numbers for Fox Sports One because this was the first weekend that Fox Sports One had a game, wasn't it?
0: I believe so, is the St. Louis game, right?
1: Yeah. But what was interesting about that is they drew a six in the STL area, while the Blues only drew a three that day. So literally the Battlehawks game in viewership on TV was double the amount of the Blues. In- what the hell is that supposed to mean? Like they rate them, like they give them ratings, like. Oh, three okay. Yeah, well, something. I mean,
0: the Blues game that doesn't surprise you because they've been playing like a bunch of scrubs.
1: But, but I mean, for how big hockey is in St. Louis, yeah, like for I mean, that to like double in viewership, like that's just going to show you the the draw is there. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, so attendance shot up, viewership kind of dropped down a little bit, but. Let's talk about the quality of football now a little bit more before we dive into the lines this weekend. The PATs, I don't have the direct stats on them right now, handy.
1: Me neither. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't pull them. But I know they were they, not – they didn't get better. They did not get better. Like literally like watching the Battle Hawks game because I was like the only game I'll watch from start to finish. Um, Greg Olson literally said he goes – and he said something that I, that I didn't even think about, Travis and I didn't think about um, – He's like, they need to have a coach dedicated for this because this is such an integral part of the of this of this game that can give you such an upper hand. Like these are vanilla play calls, like run and draw plays from the fucking two yard line to get one point, or like I, I just don't know. Like it wasn't great though. It wasn't oh no, it was I mean
0: they definitely need a coach. You have, uh, I mean the coaches on the sideline just trying to do scenarios on the run in their head determining you know what extra point to go for whether that be one two or three i know personally watching the battle hawks game like i was sitting there scratching my head at like okay why are we going for two and not three or why are we going for one and not two like they just it didn't make any sense to see and i think it might be because they're trying to do everything so fast that they're not thinking okay well we need this many points to be ahead this much rolling really be down this much and they're just kind of just rolling off whatever they want
1: yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's just we need to get some more innovation in here. And that kind of goes back – goes to our next point. Like, you know, they introduce all these rules. Has there been a double forward pass attempted yet? Like, we're supposed to have all these cool rules to kind of, like, make the game better. And it's just – it just seems like it's, it's, it's just another version of football. Like, I'm not complaining because I love football. And I have a very extreme rooting interest because we have a team in St. Louis. But, I mean – where is the innovation here?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's not been kind of this exciting, upbeat, offensive powerhouse that we've been looking for. You just had these basic play calls, just especially the BattleHawks. Like,
1: nobody wants to see you run the ball 80% of the time. I'm sorry. Especially, boring. When especially when you're averaging 2.8 yards per carry on Sunday. And then they finally let Jordan Tamu throw it, and he fucking balls out. I mean, like, just – Let's, yeah, let's, I mean, let's it doesn't excited.
0: make a whole lot of sense.
1: It just doesn't. So <clears throat> to get better going forward, we need to, we need the refs to kind of loosen the reins a bit and for the coaches to not act like they're coaching for their job when really you should make it interesting because that's coaching for your job in the grand scheme of things. Because if you don't make this game interesting, you're not going to have a job. So Exactly.
0: That's a great way to look at it. Love that 100%. But let's kind of speed things up here, getting to our power rankings for the XFL through week two before we jump into our degenerates digest. So that being said, you want to go eight to one or one to eight, eight to one. All right. Eight to one. Who is your worst team
1: in the XFL through two weeks? I mean, it's Tampa Bay. It's, It's clearly Tampa Bay. They had such high expectations, a promising year. Um, 0-2 0 and 2 record. They've scored 12 points. Had 40 points scored against them. So that's a minus 28 point differential. That is no, far, yeah, 28. That is horrendous. That that is just awful. So they're the worst team by far.
0: Yeah, I mean, I if you don't have Tampa Bay, then you're probably not haven't been watching. They're awful, and it's kind of sad because we had them as our kind of like value pick to win this league. Yeah. Both of us did, which is obviously go back, you change it. And that's just what you didn't know at the start of the season. It's how this game was going to be played. Number seven for me, it's very close between two teams. I'm going to go out of the limb just to be a little bit different. Cause I know Jarrett said he doesn't, and I'm going to put the Seattle dragons here for my seventh power ranking, even yep. though they're
1: coming fresh off a win, but they beat a terrible Vipers team. I and mean, they beat the Vipers and it's horrible. Um, I do not have – it's very close between seven and eight. I feel like, for me, it's like eight and then like about a country mile and then the seven. Um, because the team I have in seventh actually beat the Tampa Bay Vipers by 20 points in week one. That's the New York Guardians. I mean, Matt McGloin is a joke of a quarterback. And, I mean, they got blanked last weekend by the defenders, which is embarrassing. And their only win is against, against the Vipers. So, to me, that's not impressive at all. Um, I'm putting them at seven just because they got shut out um, in their, in their, in their uh, loss. Okay. You have them at seven.
0: I have the Dragons at seven. I have the Guardians at six at mine. Uh, and this is just basically, like Jared said, they just got blinked. They've only scored three touchdowns this season. Meanwhile, you have a Wildcats team who hasn't won a game and they've scored four touchdowns. Yeah, So their offensive production is just not there for me.
1: Yeah. I have Seattle at six. Um, I I don't think Brandon Silvers is a great quarterback. Um, They beat the worst team in the league by eight points. Uh, The rush game isn't much better. I think if the Guardians and Dragons were to play each other tomorrow, the Dragons would win, which is why I have them in six. Um, so that leads us to five. I think Travis and I probably both have the same team at five. It's, the it's Wildcats. Risky, it's, yeah, it's, it's Wildcats. It's risky to put an 0-2 team at five, but they would beat all those bottom three teams, no doubt about it. They've literally played the Renegades and the Roughnecks, some of the top-tier teams in the league, to kick off the season, and it doesn't get any better for them this weekend because they, they played the, the defenders. So, yeah. But I, I, do, I do think L.A. is a legit team. Josh Johnson got his first start last week. I think he's going to start to warm up, and we'll see L.A. getting better. Yeah, not only that, they have some offensive
0: production. Like, they're able to put points up on the board. They put 17 points up against the Renegades, which is more than the BattleHawks put up against them. Yeah. Um, Their Achilles heel of that team is the defense. They've let up the most scores in the XFL so far through two weeks. But if they can get that kind of under control, they have maybe some promising – postseason hopes for them in the future
1: sounds good so we both have the same team at five do we both have the same team at four who do you have
0: i have the renegades
1: i also have dallas at four as well
0: they are just like this team that i'm not really in love with they're kind of scraping by wins they had a very handily win ready for them against the wildcats last week and kind of blew it down the stretch at the end of the game you know, they didn't look good week one against the Battle Hawks. They're just this team that I feel like it's going to take four or five weeks to get put together before they're they're solid.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. They don't really have an identity. And the reason, well, only reason why I have them above L.A. Um, is because they beat them this weekend, obviously. Um, Cameron Artis Payne kind of showed up big last week, and they finally got the rush game going. Landry Jones did not impress me at all. He threw two interceptions. Um, and... Really what's, what's going strong for them is they have the best run defense in the league. Like, hands down, they have the best run defense. So, I mean, they just have to find their identity. I think they can they – can, for me, they can climb in these power rankings. But for now, they're they're locked in at, at four, kind of middle of the road. So, which rolls into three. I'm pretty sure we'll be both of the same team here at three as well. It's our St. Louis Battle Hawks. It is, which is which has been surprising because a lot of people picked them to be at the cellar of this league. And really, if you look at it, they beat the Renegades, and then they should have beat the Roughnecks this weekend, but they played them damn, damn tough. Um, they didn't I mean, play them tough. Uh, I mean, their
0: defense kind of let, was let down a little bit. They let uh, whatever his name is, P.J. Walker – Kind of do them dirty throughout the first couple of quarters of the game, and then they really kicked it in here. Just the, I think the sole thing of why they lost this game, other than the refs, was the play calling,
1: the play calling and the slow starts. They're st- they're starting out slow. The penalties don't help at all either. So I feel like if they can fix up the slow starts and the penalties, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with and can be make their way up. So which rolls into our second slot. I'm sure, we have both have the same team in in number two here. Because um, to me, number one is is clear. Uh, I have I have the Roughnecks at two. Wow, that's
0: insane to me. I I don't think so. I don't think it's that crazy. I think two and one are very close. Um, it's just it's something to me that you know PJ Walker. We kind of figured him out in the second half. The Battle Hawks did. I know a lot of other teams will um, as well. And they just – they weren't that impressive. Once we figured out their defense, got in the groove of things, kind of started picking them apart here and there, uh, I have the defenders at one. Their defense is just on a whole nother level. It's insane. Nobody is going to put up the amount of points on them in order to beat them. So That's why I have the defenders there at one, just solely on their defense.
1: I disagree. I have the Defenders at two and the Roughnecks at one, and I don't think it's close. I think the Roughnecks are the best team in this league by a country mile. Um, the Defenders have not impressed me. Their two wins have been over Seattle and New York, both at home. We'll really see what the Defenders are made of this week when they go on the road to L.A. to an 0-2 team that I think is pretty solid. Um, I have Houston at number one. I think their offense is next level. Now what you said about us being, being, being able to figure out P.J. Walker um, I do think we have a, a next level defense, so that's a little bit different. But some of the throws and some of the things he's able to do, like evade sacks and get out of the pocket, is just insane to me. Um, so I just think they kinda of, and they also have a lot of weapons. Uh so I Cardell Jones is better. I, I disagree. I do. I think Cardell Jones is too big and slow. Um we'll see. We'll see how I mean he gets to play another bad defense this weekend. Um, Cardell
0: Jones is a national champion. You hush your whore mouth. (laughs) I get it. But for me, I just. Disrespect him like that.
1: I think from the play in the league alone, I think Houston's been the better team easily. We shall see. We have semi similar. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with
2: Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate offer ends January 8th, 2023 excludes bike, bike plus and tread basics. See additional terms at onepeloton.com.
0: power rankings. I think one through four are there and then five through eight. Like if you don't have one through four where they're at, then five through eight just kind of mismatched. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really been watching much. Cause I mean, as of right now, the four playoff teams are pretty defined, I think just through two weeks.
1: Well, for sure. Yeah. If, if it started today, Houston would play Dallas and DC would play St. Louis. So, and I, and I think that, I think that kind of holds true. I don't, the only other team right now that I can see vying for a playoff spot is LA. I think Seattle, New York and Tampa Bay stand no fucking chance. So yeah. for sure. With that, we
0: are going to roll into the dinner. It's digest, which we have our usual as of the last couple of weeks. Four XFL games on tap for the weekend.
1: Hey everyone, as you know, we've been recording with Anchor for about a year now, and honestly, it's the best way to record a podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because a, it's free. B There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm actually recording this ad from my phone, and they'll distribute your podcast to you for free to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and like 10 other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required, and it makes everything so simple. If you want to start a podcast today, go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. My friends are degenerates, but I never change them. Liars, sheets, and hypocrites. Not time for All right, so the generous digest this week, like Travis said, we're going to do your four XFL lines for the weekend. Um, we're going to kick it off on Saturday, one o'clock on ABC. You got the Houston Roughnecks who are five and a half point favorites going on the road for the first time against the Tampa Bay Vipers and the over-under is 47. Travis, what do you like here? I, I mean, it's, If you don't
0: listen to this podcast on Thursday when it comes out and lock in Houston minus 5.5, it will probably jump to 10 by Saturday morning. I mean, so seriously. Better lock in minus 5.5. Get it the lowest you can, but they this is going to be a blowout.
1: Yeah, it's going to be bad. I mean, how, how many units you throwing down on it? I'm going to do three on this one. I did three as well. I also did three. Uh, the Houston, I mean, Houston is like like we said. You literally got the best team in the league playing the worst team in the league, um, and it's it just to me like if we were picking locks of the week, this would be my theoretical lock of the week. They've been handling other teams with the ease. Houston has, um, and Trustman is got a shoddy quarterback situation. PJ Walker's been shining, so I'm also doing three units and I'm locking in Houston at minus five and a half. All right. That is
0: your first game on Saturday. Your second game on Saturday, another one that seems kind of easy for me, it's at four o'clock, the Renegades uh, at Seattle Dragons. The Renegades are four and a half point favorites, and the over-under is forty four and a half. And I'm going to do the same thing I did last week with the Renegades, and I'm going to roll them at four and a half versus the Dragons. Uh, I mean, we... We both said we have the Dragons as potentially one of the worst teams in the league. Renegades are a playoff contender, and
1: I just don't really think the matchup is closer than four and a half points for me. Okay, I'm going to do spin zone here. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm actually going to take the Dragons at plus four and a half, but I'm only doing, doing only going to do one unit. How many are you, are you putting on the Renegades? I'm just going to do one. Yeah, I'm not super confident about this one. Uh, the reason why I'm doing it because Dallas blew a late game spread last week and I'm not super comfortable with them going on the road to Seattle in an environment where they had 30,000 fans. It was loud. It was intense. I could just see this game being closer than what, than what people think. So that's why I am taking Seattle at plus four and a half to cover this one um, at one unit. So those are the Saturday games. So it's going to Sunday you got your Sunday 2 o'clock game on ESPN, the New York Guardians at the St. Louis Battlehawks, which Travis and I will be in attendance for the game. The Battlehawks are seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is 42, a low one. Travis, what are you hitting in this one? Dude, this one's tough for me
0: because we I went to under of, like, what, 50 last week at the Battlehawks game and the over-hit. And so I was like, I was thinking over, thinking over, and then I forgot, oh, shit. They're playing in the Guardians. The Guardians suck, yeah. But that seven and a half also scares me. Um, but since we're going to be there and I want to root for us to kick their ass, I'm going to go Battlehawks minus seven and a half. Just one unit because this is my least favorite game of the weekend.
1: Yep. I'm also doing the Battlehawks minus seven and a half at one unit. Kind of similar to the the Dragons game we just talked about. I'm not super confident on it. Um, if they can get over those slow starts and they, you know, Limit of the penalties. They should cover this easily. I think Jordan's going to have a revenge game um, against the second worst passing defense in the league throughout the first two weeks. So, Battlehawks minus seven is the pick, which rolls us into the evening game on Sunday, five o'clock on FS1. The DC defenders at the LA Wildcats. Um, the defenders are seven point favorites, and the over under is 45 and a half. What are you doing here? I wanted to do the
0: defenders minus seven, but I know the Wildcats are just. You know, they're they're due for a game that's either going to be very very close. I know their their game against the Renegades was technically close in score, but not that close if you watch the game overall. Um, or a win. So with that, I've talked about how good the DC Defenders defense is. So I'm going to roll with the under forty five and a half on this one for one unit.
1: Okay, I'm going to do two two units on this game. I'm also taking another home dog. I'm taking the Wildcats at plus seven. I just said it um, on on our power rankings on the intro. Um, I think D.C. gets tested this week. They've had two home games against two cupcake opponents. L.A., I think, is probably one of the better teams in the league if if you're looking at records and they're 0-2. I just think they're going to have their work cut out for them. I'm not saying that D.C. loses this game. I'm just saying I don't think they cover the seven points. I think it could be a four- or five-point game here. So I'm taking LA at plus seven at two units. <clears throat> All right. There it is. We had one opposing
0: pick. The other three, two of them are the same. And then one of them is uh, pick or choose under or the spread. So yep. week three XFL, our XFL lines haven't been bad. It's just been kind of hard. Cause we're still in this weird period where you don't know who the go-to guy is for each team. You don't know who's getting the ball. Uh, which is going to lead us into our next segment of the show, which is daily fantasy forecast for XFL this weekend. Yeah.
1: So for all you guys who have been missing out on doing fantasy football, um, daily fantasy is a good way to kind of, you know, um, kind of fill that void during the XFL season. Um, All these figures are according to DraftKings – which is what Travis and I have been playing for the XFL Daily Fantasy. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to go through each position um, and just for quarterback, we're going to give you a best value and a guy to stay away from running back. We're going to give you a best value and guy that's bound to have a big day. Wide receivers, we're going to give you two wide receivers for good value. And then defense, we're going to give you the pick of the week. So Travis, quarterbacks, let's kick it off. Who is your best value at quarterback this week? I mean – for value-wise, I am
0: honestly going to go with Tamu again. Me too. For the Battle Hawks. He is $10,100, so he is the fourth yep. most expensive, fourth least expensive quarterback, I guess you could say, of the starters. He's right there in the middle. And he's just so versatile. He can throw, he can run, whatever he can do. He's good for a decent amount of points. I wouldn't overspend for your P.J. Walker, Cardale Joneses. Nope. So, Tim is a good one for me that can put some good points up.
1: I, 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 the same thing for me. And, and what's key here is that like he's $1,400 less than P.J. Walker, and he's the second in the league in terms of passing yards and third in the league in terms of rushing yards. So, the dude is legit, can put up points. So, I think he's your best value. Now, who do you want to stay away from on, on this weekend? I would definitely
0: stay away from Matt McGloin. I know, I mean, a lot of people really go after those high-profile QBs, so I'm not really sure if Matt McGloin is going to be the guy that's your option if you're running out of a budget. But the fact that he's playing a good Battle Hawks team, their home opener, and he's averaging 8.6 per week points. So that is not good. At an $8,500 cost, that's way too high for Matt McGloin.
1: I agree. I agree. I agree. So – who I'm who I'm telling you guys to stay away from is kind of like another like I went the same route as Travis, a guy that you're maybe trying to save some money on and you know go higher on some other areas. It's going to be Josh Johnson from LA. Um, this is only a second start of the season, and while you may see the value because he's the best quarterback under ten thousand, um, I'm going to need to see more from him before I put him in, put him in my lineup. I do think that if you're going to go for a quarterback. You need to get one of those guys that's 10,000 or above, the Tamus, the PJ Walkers, the Cardell Jones. Um, but definitely stay away from Josh Johnson. If you're trying to save money on a quarterback, go Tamu. Um, but don't go under 10K and, and reach for, for Johnson.
0: All right. You heard it there. I mean, you like Josh Johnson, though. You like the Wildcats to do good this week, but you don't
1: want to pick him as your. As I, I your mean, guy. I can see. I mean, I also know. They also have a pretty good run game, L.A. does. So um, I can just see them mixing it up a bit. So let's roll into running backs, So, And running backs, we're going to pick a best value and a guy that's bound to have a big day. So who's your best value for daily fantasy this weekend, Travis?
0: Oh, man, you threw me in a whirlwind. Because, honestly, running backs have been – which is kind of weird because you think of running backs and – as your bell fantasy, yeah. and that's your guy that's going to get you points. XFL running backs have been very hard to come by. You have only four guys that are averaging in double-digit fantasy points per game. Yep. Um, but as far as value-wise, I am going to go Matt Jones here. He is the third most expensive. I know that might sound like a lot, but it's only $7,500. The dude, when he gets the ball, he does well with it. I think he, he had some limited touches last week with his injury. But he's averaging 11.2 points per game. So that's my guy here. I think if he's healthy, you roll with him for sure.
1: Don't hate that pick. I'm actually going to go with the guy for the Renegades. Um, I know I don't like the Renegades to cover this weekend. But Lance Dunbar is my is my best value. And the reason why he's my best value is because he's relatively cheap. Fairly, fairly cheap to be, to be honest. And his rushing numbers won't wow you. He's only got 11 carries for 69 yards in the year. But he's a big factor in Dallas's passing game. He has 11 catches for 63 yards. He hasn't seen the end zone yet. He's bound to get there eventually. I think Lance Dunbar um, can be a good value pick for you at running back this weekend if you need it.
0: All right. Yeah, I like that. I had him on my DraftKings team last weekend. Not bad. He definitely is a guy who. I feel like a lot of his production is going to come um, passing uh-huh. in the year. So that's a that's a pretty good one. Now I'm gonna kick it over to you, back to back. Who is your running back bound to have a big day, guy? So It's an, affordable.
1: Ag- again, again, I I know I didn't pick DC to cover, but Donnell Pumphrey, the running back from DC, bound to have a big day. He's got 16 carries on the year, averaging 3.6 point. 3.6 yards per carry. He averaged 4.3 last week and has not found the end zone. He's playing in wild, a Wildcat's team this weekend, who is the worst in the league against the run. So I could see him having some big numbers, and he's only seven thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, the only problem I have with that is they have kind of a dual running. Yes, game I know, I know. Yeah, So that's why he hasn't found the end zone. Is and I don't know why teams do this when a guy gets hot and he's led them all the way down the field, they pull him at the end of a drive. And that hurts for fantasy owners, daily fantasy, whatever it may be. Don't hate the pick, just kind of testy. Mine, bound to have a big day again, because this was my man coming into the league. Week one, he didn't see the field hardly at all. Week two, exploded. It's Cameron Artis Payne. It's $8,300. Last week, he had 14 attempts, 99 yards, and two touchdowns.
1: So, take with
0: that what you he will. He's playing Seattle at eighty three hundred. It's kind of hard not to pick him.
1: Yeah, don't hate that at all. Definitely would like to have him in my DraftKings lineup. Well, let's roll into receivers. And for receivers, the reason why I did two best values at receivers because, like Travis said, the majority of your points being scored daily fantasy in the XFL has come from your receivers. So, two best value wide receivers. We're gonna go one and two. Travis, I'll let you lead it off. Who's your first best-valued wide receiver?
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, DeMornay Pearsonell from the Battlehawks. This yep. dude kind of emerged week one as this guy who was starting to see the field throughout the game. Week two, he was a big guy for Jordan Tamu. He is good on sweeps coming through, catching catching the ball, little pitches, shovel passes, whatever, he can do it all. He is a very versatile guy. Last week he had 11 targets on 50 yards, and he had a 23-yard rushing touchdown. So for a 10,100, he's averaging 15 points a game, playing the eighth worst defense in the league. So the last, I mean, the worst defense in the league against receivers, how can you not pick him?
1: Yeah, I love that pick. I'll have another Battle Hawks receiver for you here in a second. My first guy is this guy D. Tompkins from D.C. Didn't even have his first name on there because last week was his first week playing. Um, He had nine targets, six catches for 92 yards and a receiving touchdown. I think this guy could take away some share from Eli Rogers in D.C. I know he's been a big guy the first two weeks. Um, And this D. Tompkins guy only cost $5,700. So this is a guy you need to throw in your flex spot when you're trying to fill the last few spots of your lineup Fifty-seven hundred bucks. It's not that expensive, and like I said last week, ninety-two yards and a touchdown, along with six catches. So I think um, he's a great value. DeAndre Tompkins is his name. DeAndre, DeAndre. Yep. Okay. DraftKings Perfect. didn't have his first name. They didn't. They, they didn't put some respect on his name.
0: Yeah, no respect on him. Um, my, we're doing best value. Correct. Yes. No, best no. value. He is questionable as of right now. If he plays. He is almost a must-have, especially one of those guys where you're trying to save some money at the end. Donald Parham from the Renegades. Yes, yes. He, he is fifty-three hundred dollars. He emerged last week, had eleven targets, only five catches, however, but he did have of those five. Catches, he did He
1: didn't. He didn't did just emerge last week. He caught a lot of passes against against St. Louis too in Week One. Yeah, he had he had four catches
0: Week One for forty yards. No touchdowns last week though. And that was on six targets week one. Last week he had 11 targets, five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Very good value, averaging 13.3 points per game for $5,300. There's your man.
1: There you go. I love, I love it. I love it. My guy's going to be LaDamian Washington for the Battlehawks. Yeah. Um, he, I think he finally produced last week up to the standards that all Mizzou fans know that he can do. I mean, he literally – now, granted, Marcus Lucas had a great block on that screen for him to score a touchdown, but he fucking – I forgot how fascinating Washington is. I mean, he just turned on the burners on that touchdown. Um, he's only at $8,000. He's averaging 13.4 points per game. That's after his very disappointing week one. I think he's a good grab. Again, like Travis said, St. Louis is playing the worst passing defense in the league in New York. So, if you can load up on some um, – some St. Louis receivers. That'd be great.
0: Yeah. And with the last one we got, we're just going to pick the best defense of the week. I mean, really, not really value wise because I mean, it's defense. So my best defense, obviously going to go with one. It's the defenders. They're playing LA who is not a powerhouse offense by any means. Uh, They're only $4,700. They're the second most expensive, but Listen to this. The defender's defense is the fourth highest scoring position of any – not even position, fourth highest scoring-like selection you could make in DraftKings fantasy this year. There's only three other people scoring higher than the defender's defense. Who? It is Phillip Walker and two wide receivers, Cam Phillips and Nelson Spruce. Those are the only people scoring higher than the defender's defense.
1: Damn. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, I did not know that. Um, I didn't go that route. When I make my lineup, I kind of try to look for value in defense, which is kind of why I went this route. I'm gonna go with the Battle Hawks defense. I know they're only averaging five points per per game this season, but granted, they played, you know, two of the top teams in the league in in the, in the Renegades and in, in the Roughnecks. Last week, they really got hit hard. They're playing the Guardians this week. Um, their quarterback situation is horrible with with, with Matt McGloin. So um, I think for them at being only at $3,700 is a great value. So if you're looking again for value at defense, go with the Renit, go with the Battlehawks. If not, like Travis said, if you're wanting to, if you can spend some more, definitely go with the defenders, but I think both of those are good picks. Sweet
0: loaded episode week three XFL. If you haven't gotten the chance to watch yet, You you definitely need to tune in, see what it's like, look at the quality of play,
1: because it's honestly not bad. It's not, especially if you're going to tune in. Watch that 2 o'clock game on Sunday on ESPN, because your favorite two drunk brothers will be eight rows off the field chanting, Cronky sucks at the top of our lungs.
0: Exactly. Love it. Love it, love it. Episode 68, that's all I got on my end, unless you got anything to add.
1: No, that's it. Uh, we appreciate you guys riding along. Hopefully, the XFL keeps picking it up because we love covering it. Um, but you guys have a fantastic weekend and hammer those picks. And we'll see you next week. Peace.
2: Did a full one crazy thinking about the way.